Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That burst of applause is for Miriam Hopkins, Adolf Tanju, and Ray Miland, who have just made their entrance from the wings. They take their places at the belt microphone, the house lights dim, and the play begins. play is Zoe Aiken's The Morning Glory, produced on the screen by RKO. It's the story of a little country girl who believes she was a great actress. That part is played by Miriam Hopkins, known in our play as Eva Lovelace. Adolf Manjou is the New York theatrical producer, Lewis Easton. His writer and assistant, Joseph Sheridan, is played by Ray Milland. The curtain rises on the outer office of Lewis Easton. A new play by the young and brilliant Joseph Sheridan is being cast. Actors of every age and type have been waiting all day in the hope of a bit, a part, or a leading role. Pardon me. I'm Eva Lovelace. Have you an appointment? Oh, no, sorry. Bye. It's five o'clock. Mr. Easton won't see any more people today. But I had to call. Come back tomorrow. Mr. Easton told me to wait. Sorry, be here ten in the morning. That's part of the butler. Sorry, it's filled. Well, Mr. Easton wrote You'll see you tomorrow. How do you do? What? Oh, say, who let you in here? Well, I'm Eva Lovelace. Who? Eva Lovelace. That's my stage name. You probably never heard of me because I'm just starting. Uh, no, Miss Lovelace. I don't believe if I... If you uh... give me a part in your new play, it'll be my New York debut. My parents object, of course, to my having a career. But parents always do, I believe. Yes, yes. I mean, do they? Oh, if there's one person in the whole world I've prayed particularly to meet at you. I've reverenced you so long. Yes, reverenced you, Mr. Easton. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not Mr. Easton. Oh, you aren't? No, I'm only the author of the new play, Joseph Sheridan. Really? You're very young to write. But I suppose everyone has to make a start. Do you mind if I sit down? Why, no, no, do. Uh, make yourself right at home. Uh, tell me, where do you come from, Miss Lovelace? Deerhorn, Vermont. It's very bourgeois and provincial. The soul has no liberty. Really? Uh, Joseph, um, how soon can you give... Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, it's all right, Lewis. Come in. Uh, Miss Lovelace, Mr. Easton. Mr. Easton, if there's one person in the whole world I pray particularly to meet, it's you. I? <laughs> well, after all, that's only natural. I've reverenced you, Mr. Easton. Yes, reverence, you. Yes, I know. I'm colossal. Uh, what was your name, uh, uh, Lovelace? Yes, Eva Lovelace. It's partly made up and partly real. Sort of an artistic alien. It was Ada Love. Love's my family name. I added the lace. Well, that's very interesting. I'm sure. Of course, if you don't like it, I could change it. Or would you prefer something shorter? No, I think it's quite Well, short. a shorter name would be more convenient on a sign. Still, Eva Lovelace and Camille, for instance. Or Eva Lovelace in Romeo and Juliet. Sounds very distinguished, doesn't it? Yes, I suppose it does. But I don't uh... want to keep my family's name because I should probably have several scandals early in my career, and I don't want to cause my people any trouble until I'm famous, and then they won't mind. You don't say. I, I mean, won't they? Oh, oh, I shall be a great actress. Leave my mark in the theater for all posterity. Well, a very noble... Of course, I expect to die in my zenith. My star shall never set. I've sworn that, too. When the moment comes, when I feel I've done my best, my very best, 
I shall die by my own hand at the end of some play on the stage. Well, uh, not on my stage, I hope. Uh, have you been acting long, Miss Lovelace? Oh, not professionally, of course, but I've played some very wonderful plays now, Theatre Gill and Deerhorn. Now, where's that? Uh, the mo- I did Hedda, Ibsen's Hedda, of course, and The Queen and the Queen's Enemies by Dunsany. Well, a more or less classical repertoire. You've played some good parts, Miss Lovelace. Oh, but I want to do the great roles. Lady Macbeth, Portia, Juliet, oh, Juliet most of all. I wish I'd seen Ellen Terry as Juliet. And Bernhardt as Lady Macbeth. I remember someone once said, Bernhardt broke your heart and Terry mended it. It's a good line. I wish I'd said it. Oh, I know I shall never be wonderful like them, but I have something very wonderful in me. You'll see. Have you seen Captain Cornell in that Molnar play? Uh, yes, have you? Uh, no, but I reverence it, Mr. Sheridan. I read it first in German. You did? Here's the Golden Bowers greater. But it hasn't been translated yet. Oh, but it has. I've just finished it. Uh, Joseph and oh. I may do it with Rita Vernon. Oh, no. She could never do justice to it. Well, now, that's a matter of opinion. Well, Miss Lovelace, I shall have to ask you to excuse me. If you leave your name and address to the young lady at the desk, I'll see what I can do for you. Oh, but I, I, I'm moving. I'll have to come in again and tell you my address. Uh, yes, do, Miss Lovelace. And, uh, Mr. Easton, you'll let me play the golden bough when you put it on if Miss Vernon isn't satisfactory. Well, I think I can safely say she will be. Oh, goodbye, Mr. Easton. I'm so glad I met you. You're just as I imagined you'd be, the great impresario. And your charm makes up for everything that I might have found fault with, so... Au revoir. Au revoir. Well, there's a character for you. You know, Lewis, I think she's got something. She's a nut. We'll probably never hear of her again. I wonder. What? I said I wonder. Hey, son, where's the driver of this taxi? Oh, that's Mike's hack. Maybe he's in a coffee pot. Thanks. Yes, sir? Uh, what do you have, mister? Uh, can you tell me that... Why, Miss Lovelace. What? Oh, Mr. Sheridan. Oh, I haven't seen you for months. What have you been doing? Well, after you gave me that chance in your show, and I didn't make good... Yeah, I was sorry about that, but don't let it get you down. I, I've had several other chances. I haven't made good in any of them. Well, it's always hard getting started. Yes, uh, won't, won't you join me and order something? Well, I'm sorry, but I can't. You see, I'm on my way to a party and I'm late now. Say, uh, why can't you come with us? Oh, no, I'm not dressed. You see, I felt as if I wanted to walk in the rain. So I put on the oldest dress I have. Well, that's easily fixed. We'll stop at your place and you can change. But no, no, I live too far uptown. It, it'd be too much out of your way. Then go just as you are. It's at Lewis Easton's apartment and he'll be glad to see you. You mean it's his party? Yes. Please, will you come? Why, yes, if, if you're sure you won't mind. Oh, I'd love to go to his party. That's fine. I'll pay your check. Uh, oh, uh, no. No, I uh, I wouldn't dream of letting you pay for my dinner, Mr. Sheridan. Oh, nonsense. What's the bill, please? Are you mean for her? Only a nickel, just a cup of coffee. Yes, of course. I only had after-dinner coffee. How stupid of me to forget. I dined somewhere else early. Well, I'm glad you told me, because now I'm going to make you do full justice to the buffet table at Easton's party. Nice of you not to mind my coming, Mr. Easton. You do remember me, Mr. Easton. Oh, yes, yes, very well. Uh, have you met Miss Vernon? How do you do? Uh, Mr. Lawrence? The most important man in this room? Well, now, just because he's a critic... Not Mr. Henry Lawrence. I'm afraid so. Oh, but Mr. Lawrence, I reverence everything you write. <laughs> you see? Uh, Joseph, see that Miss Lovelace has something to eat. And I'll see she has a drink. That's the first thing, a drink. Now, come over here. How's about some champagne? Lovelace, I wouldn't have any more champagne if I were you. Let me get you some supper. Supper? Oh, who wants anything so prosaic? I want to dance. 
Won't you dance with me, Mr. Sheridan? If you like. Oh, I just love this funny music. You seem to get a kick out of everything. That's because everything interests me. That's why someday I'll be a great actress. I look around and absorb and understand. One must drink in everything. Everything. Yes, you're doing very well. You wouldn't mind getting me another glass of champagne, would you? Just a little glass. I'll be out on the balcony. All my life I've wanted to stand on a balcony with a glass of champagne in my hand and drink to New York. That's just what I'm going to do, Mr. Sheridan. Oh, Mr. Easton. I'll go in if I disturb you. No. I'm so glad it's you. I wanted to talk to you for so long. Really? I'd like to explain something. Why I failed in your play when I wanted more than anything else in the world to succeed. For you. No doubt you will succeed. You're a very clever young lady. A very beautiful young lady. Oh, that's very sweet of you to say that. You know, I like you. I've liked you from the very first. And you know something else, too? I shouldn't be surprised that you're right about my succeeding. Because I shouldn't be surprised that I'm a great actress. You think so? Well, either I'm a rotten actress or a great actress. I'm not just a pretty good actress. Sometimes I think I'm very, very, very bad. No good. But tonight I think I'm wrong when I think that. I feel wonderful, Mr. Easton. I'm not afraid anymore. Well, I'm glad of that. You see, I wasn't afraid for a long time. When I lost a part, I thought it must be because I was a genius. And geniuses always have a hard time. That's right. Then I began to get afraid. I got to thinking, maybe I'm not a genius. And then I said, oh, it's better not to think. In this world, where but to be, think is to be full of sorrow, it's better not to think. But tonight, I'm not afraid to think because tonight I'm thoroughly convinced that I'm a genius again. I'm sure you're a very attractive girl, and that's more important than being a genius. Do you really think so? Yes. I don't. You know, Mr. Easton, I love your party. Oh, thank you. I love New York. I love to walk and walk. There's so much to see. In Deerhorn, if you walk very far, you're out on the country road and there's nothing but cornfields everywhere. Still, there's something about it. About those fields that gives you a feeling of being great and lonely. Yes, I know. Do you, Mr. Easton? You're great and lonely, aren't you? I'm lonely, but I'm not great. You're a strange child. I can't make you out. But you're lovely. Incredibly lovely. Thank you. Oh, this can't be true. I'm dreaming. Maybe you're not you, and I'm not I, but Romeo and Juliet on another balcony... Oh, gentle Romeo, if thou dost love, pronounce it faithfully. Or if thou think'st I am too quickly one, I'll frown and be perverse and say thee nay, so thou wilt woo. Else, not for the world. In truth, fair Montague, I am too fond. Go on, go on. Oh, Romeo, sweet Romeo, say no more. Tis almost morning. I would have thee gone. And yet no further than a wanton's bird who lets it hop a little from her hand like a poor prisoner in his twisted jive. And then with a silken thread, plucks it back again, so loving, jealous of his liberty. Good night. Good night. Oh, parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. Well... You were beautiful, my dear. Childishly beautiful. Impossibly beautiful. Oh, that's all I wanted to hear. That's all I ever want to hear.
ladies and gentlemen, is the end of Act One of our play, The Morning Glory. In the brief intermission before our Gulf Curtain rises again, on behalf of your neighborhood good Gulf dealer and of the Gulf Oil Companies, I'd like to extend our Easter greetings to all of you. Because of the special feeling that everybody has about Easter time, I know that most of us here in America look forward to new and to better things. Not only for this country, but if possible, for the entire world. The Easter holiday makes it easier for all of us to keep faith in the future. So, may we express the hope that the coming months will be happy ones. And may we offer our best wishes for the spring season. about to rise on the second act of the morning glory, starring Miriam Hopkins as Eva Lovelace, Adolf Manjou as Louis Easton, and Ray Milan as Joseph Sheridan. It's 10 o'clock the next morning after the party in Louis Easton's apartment. The great producer is talking to Joseph. Heaven's sake, Joseph, don't stand there looking at me as though I were a moral leper. I'm in a jam, and you've got to get me out of it. Where's Miss Lovelace? Upstairs. Probably asleep and dreaming of me. Just what did you say to her last night? What does any man say on a balcony in the moonlight? Suppose you'd kiss her. Well, that isn't a proposal of marriage, is it? Well, she said something about it being a deathless romance and our two souls were wedded until the end of time and a short time later she, uh, she fell asleep. I had the housekeeper put her to bed. Well, what do you want me to do? Wait here and talk to her when she comes down. Explain, just say that when I say I love you that I don't, I don't really mean I love you. Poor kid. You had to fall in love with someone. Why didn't she fall in love with you? Yes, why didn't she? You've got to help me, Joseph. Get her out of here. Give her money, anything. All right, Lewis. I don't like the job, but I'll do what I can. Oh, good morning, Miss Lovelace. You're just the person I want to see. Well, I, uh, I'm in a hurry. Oh, you can wait a minute, can't you? I want to go before I see him. Of course, it's only for a little while. I left word that I'll send him a message so he won't think I don't want to see him. It's just that there's so much in my heart. I want to be alone. You understand? Yes. Yes, I think I do. I'll walk through the park. Oh, Mr. Sheridan, we can do such wonderful things together, he and I. And you'll help us, won't you? It's... It's just like two rivers flowing through the same valley to the sea, his life and mine. Now they're to flow together. Oh, I shall make him very proud of me, Joseph. You don't mind if I call you Joseph, do you? No, no, I don't mind. I rather want you to. Strange how it all happened. Yesterday I was alone and frightened. And today, well, life's suddenly very different, if you understand, Joseph. And I know you do understand. You've always been so, so terribly kind to me. Goodbye, Joseph. Goodbye, Eva. May I speak to Mr. Easton, please? Who's calling? Miss Lovelace. Sorry, he's not in. Oh, but surely I've called so often. Did you give him my message? Sorry, he's not in. Oh, I see. I'm sorry, Eva, but Mr. Easton's not in his office. Told him I was coming. You gave him the flowers. Yes, I gave him your flowers. And he didn't say anything. He he left no message. Well, you see, he uh, he had to run up to Albany and. Uh... Uh, good morning, Joseph. Oh oh, hello, Eva. Hello, I I was just leaving. I stopped in to see Joseph. Uh, yes, I asked her to call in reference to that uh, that understudy job. Understudy? Yes, the road company. Oh yes, yes, yes. I really meant to call her about that myself, but I've been so busy. Uh, thank you for the flowers, Eva. Very kind of you. 
Oh, about this job. Are you trying to buy me off, Mr. Easton? But my dear child, what makes you think... Oh, don't pretend. I understand. I've been a fool. A silly fool. But, Eve, I Oh, don't... just because you had too much champagne and thought I was pretty in the moonlight, you kissed me. And you told me I was wonderful. I believed you. I was going to make you very proud of me. I was going to be so wonderful for you. How amusing that must sound to you. Eva, please. Well, you don't need to buy me off with the job, Mr. Easton. I know there's a place in the theater for me, and I have a reason now, more reason than I've ever had before, to prove to you that I am a great actress and that I don't need you. Goodbye, Mr. Easton. the new engine, Bird. Eva Lovelace. She joins Monday. Uh, Lovelace sounds kind of high and mighty to troop with a Kansas tent show. Here's a picture of that girl I was telling you about, Mr. Martin. Yeah, pretty. What's her name? Eva Lovelace. Okay, give her a ring and see if she's interested in playing leads in their stock company in Cleveland. Joe Sheridan, what are you doing in Ogunquit? Oh, came up to look at the youngsters. Board, we need some new talent. There's one girl that's great. What's her name? Eva Lovelace. Eva. Why? Why, Joseph? I saw the play. You were wonderful. Thank you. Oh, Joseph, I'm so glad to see you. How are you? How's Mr. Easton? What have you been doing? Well, we're doing the Golden Bough, remember? We talked about it a long time ago in my office, the first day we met. Of course. That was when I thought I was an actress and wasn't. Well, I believe in you. I always have. And tonight you proved I wasn't wrong. Eva, will you do something for me? Will you take the understudy in the Golden Bough? But, Joseph... Now, now, wait till I finish, please. Rita Vernon's playing the part, and I think she's up to something. I don't know what it is, but I've got a hunch there's trouble ahead. And I want you there in case anything happens. But I've got a job here. I'll get you out of it. The success of this play means a lot to me and Easton. Will you do it, Eva? Yes. Yes, Joseph, I will. That's what I want, Lewis. Take it or leave it. You can't refuse to go on. Rita, be reasonable. I know you've never had a contract, but that doesn't mean you can hold me up now. This is a New York opening. Unless Lewis does what I want, Joseph, there'll be no opening. You'll never work on Broadway again. Fifteen minutes. I'll be in my dressing room. When you make up your mind, let me know. Rita! Rita! Of all the low, rotten tricks... I had a hunch something like this would happen. Hear what you want, Joseph? Yes, fifteen hundred a week. And half the profits. It's a hold-up. Of course it's a hold-up. But what can I do? Don't let her get away with it. Now, listen. There's a girl... A girl I engaged for general understudy. An understudy. She knows Rita's part. That doesn't mean she can play it. But I'll vouch for her. She'll be better than Rita. She'd go to pieces before this first night crowd. No, she wouldn't. She's gotten her experience the hard way. Tent shows, stuck, summer theaters. But Joe Lewis, please take my word for it. She can do it. All right. All right, I'm crazy enough to take a chance. Go get her. Good. Wait. What's her name? Eva Lovelace. Eva Lovelace? Now I know I'm crazy. <laughs> holding the curtain. Oh, Joseph, I, I don't think I can go through Oh, you'll be wonderful. If, if I thought you were going out there to fail me or fail yourself, I'd never let you walk out on that stage. Oh, Joseph, will he be out front watching Lewis? me? Yes, he will. Oh, I couldn't bear it if he saw me fail. You won't. You're going to give the best performance Broadway has seen in years. I will, Joseph. I promise I will. Not only for him, but for you. Because you've had faith in me. You believe in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. Come on, they're waiting. Ecstasy. 
But there's more than that. There's something stronger, more enduring. The roots of things. Roots that cling fast to the bottomless fields of the earth. And they're holding their gnarled lengths the secret of eternal life. That's all I wanted to hear, Mr. Easton. Eva Lovelace, I salute you. Oh, thank you, Joseph. And thank you for the flowers. You always think of everything, don't you? Eva, can you ever really forgive me for the way I've treated you? Yes. For a while, I didn't think I could. But now that all seems so long ago. I was in love with you. I may never be in love that way again, ever. But tonight, it doesn't seem to matter anymore. I'm so very proud tonight. And I'm going to make you and Joseph proud of me. I'll be so wonderful. Please, Eva, don't. So many people can be wonderful. Young people who come to New York with the idea of conquering the world. And they do succeed, so many of them. And then fail. Youth has its hour of glory. But too often it's only a morning glory. A flower that's gone before the sun is very high. I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be sensible and keep your head. I, I wish you could have waited until tomorrow to say all that to me. Joseph, you won't let him frighten me into being sensible, will you? Not now. Not yet. But you've got to let me be just as foolish as I want to. I'll have a white ermine coat and I'll ride horseback in the park. And, oh, I'll have rooms full of orchids and little apple trees and white violets. And you've got to let me think I'm much more wonderful than anyone else in the world. And you've got to promise not to try to make me sensible. For I'm not afraid of being just a morning glory. You shall have everything you want. Everything. You do understand me, don't you, Joseph? Yes. Someday I'll tell you why. Someday, but not now. I want to be alone. Come on, come on. Bring it up, you two. I've planned a little party to celebrate. Just the three of us. Not tonight, please. Some other time. I understand. You're tired. Well, good night, my dear. Coming, Joseph? Good night, Eva. Joseph. Yes, Eva? Joseph. You may come to me in the morning. Thanks to Zoe Akins for contributing the story of the morning glory. And now for a little something special. Today being Easter Sunday, suppose we postpone the golf question box for just a few seconds and first see if Miriam Hopkins can tell us something about Hollywood's Easter parade. Miriam, what would you say were some of today's outstanding style notes here in Hollywood? Well, we've been so busy rehearsing today, Roger, that I got only a brief glimpse of the Easter parade. But I did notice that many of the women's hats had wide brims. They were worn off the face. We called them Flemish sailors. Swell. Anything else? Well, most of the shoes had the new wedge heels. And let's see, the uh, favorite colors for clothes seem to be patriotic reds, whites, and blues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> any, uh, any other comments? Just one. The fact that Easter came so early this year seems to make no difference in the number of well-dressed women. And you know something else? I've never heard of Easter coming at this time in March. And do you know, Miriam, that we'll have to wait until the 21st century before we have another Easter that comes as early in the year as this one? Oh. This year we're lucky because Easter not only brings the new hats and bright new spring clothes, 
It also seems to mark the beginning of the days when everybody gets into the family car, gets out in the open, and starts rolling merrily along the highway. Well, just so your first spring trip will be a carefree holiday kind of drive, and not a worried one, we suggest that you quiet those annoying motor knocks and chassis squeaks. It's easy if you stop at your good golf dealers, fill up with golf no-knocks gasoline, and have your car golf flex. The result is smoother, quieter performance from your car, pleasanter, more restful rides for you and your family. So stop tomorrow at the sign of the golf orange disc. You'll find that it pays to make the good golf dealer your dealer. Thank you, Johnny. And now the big moment, the golf question box. We ask our stars to step out of character and be just themselves while we ask them a few questions about Hollywood. Now remember, if you miss, you have to pay a forfeit, so here goes. The first question is for Adolf Manju, whose latest picture for RKO is Bill of Divorcement. Adolf, what actor in pictures once challenged Man Mountain Dean to a wrestling match and offered to pay $1,000 to charity if the Man Mountain defeated him? Uh, couldn't have been Frank Gotch, could it? <laughs> no, 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 Adolph, that's quite a memory. It, it wasn't Frank Gotch. The challenge was made by Nat Pendleton, and that means that you've got to pay a forfeit. So, Adolph, for your forfeit, you must speak in four different voices. Four different voices. That's well, that's right. one already. That's yeah, that's one. Yeah. Have you seen my new Easter bonnet? <laughs> that's, that's two. If you don't want her, I want her. <laughs> Three. And I can speak like a tenor. I love life. That is four voices. Very, very good. <laughs> Don't go away now. Don't go away. Because, Adolf, there's one thing you can't do. You can't put them all together and sing like a quartet. That's what I keep telling them down at the office. <laughs> thank you very much, Adolf, and thank you, Miriam. You know, I noticed, Miriam, that when the audience, when you mentioned about the patriotic red, whites, and blues, it just happened to be a coincidence, I'm sure, that your lovely gown this afternoon is very patriotic, red, white, and blue. <laughs> the next victim is Ray Milan, who can soon be seen in Paramount's French Without Tears. Tell me, Ray, can you name two pictures which were directed by Lionel Barrymore? By Professor, um... Oh, quiz now, I suppose, huh? All right. Oh, just two. Two. Uh, no fair uh, peeking over here now. Okay. Um... Uh, ten cents a dance. Yeah, that's one. And, uh, Madam X. Madam X is right. That's two. And there was one more. Can you remember it? You don't have to. I only asked you for two. But the third uh, one, in case you can't remember, was uh, Lionel in... Sing, uh... Well, no. Song, song, the, the Rogue, rogue Song. song yeah. Lawrence Tivitt and the Rogue Song. That's better than 100% right. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> and now a question for Miriam Hopkins, now appearing in Warner Brothers, Virginia City. Miriam, you must name two famous male stars who got their screen start appearing in short subjects. Oh, got so nervous waiting my turn, I don't know whether I can remember anything <laughs> well, now. Well, you think um, hard, I'm sure you'll know it. Robert Taylor? Robert Taylor is one, that's right. And incidentally, Robert Taylor will be here in the Gulf Theater next week with Barbara Stanwyck in an original comedy drama, Allergic to Love. Now, can you name one more, Miriam? Just one. Um, Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart is absolutely oh. right. He got his start in short subjects, and thank you, Miriam okay. Hopkins. <laughs> Next week, ladies and gentlemen, the stars of the Gulf Theater are faced with a very serious question. What should a bride do if her husband gives her hay fever? The bride is Barbara Stanwyck, the husband is Robert Taylor, and their adventures on the South American honeymoon are told in the rip-roaring farce, Allergic to Love. 
Be sure to have your radio all warmed up this time next Sunday when the Gulf Theater presents Allergic to Love with Barbara Stanwyck, Robert Taylor, and, of course, Oscar Bradley and his Gulf Orchestra. Until then, this is Roger Pryor saying good night, everybody, for your neighborhood good Gulf dealer. All the things you are is from Very Warm for May. The Gulf Theater originates at Earl Carroll's in Hollywood, and this is the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>